Here's your warm-up question today. Uh, get your brain juices flowing. Engage everybody in the moment. Um, the question is, what's a big decision that you've made in life? And you, and you, and you made it. You know, it's like, uh, this is a consequential decision. I'm going to make it. And, and, and you followed through on it. What's a big decision you made in life? And let's, let's not say, I made a decision for Jesus, because that's a gimme. Um, for most of us here. And we don't want to outrighteous each other uh, this morning. So other than that, what's a big decision that you made in life? Go ahead, tell me. What pops into your head? I love it that Barbara still raises her hand. Just, we have one proper person in the church. What'd you say? Sold your house, all your possessions, and moved here, where I happen to know you had kids and a grandchild. That's right, because uh, there was a lot going on. I, I, know, I know a bit of that story. So that's like a move, clear, like you moved from like New York to, to Hawaii. So big decision, big decision. Well done. Okay, who else? Big decision you've made in life. It didn't happen to you. You happened to it. Big marriage, marriage. And you're obligated to say, there you go. All right. There you go. It was almost like there was no decision to be made. It was just like, yeah, I understand completely. Yeah. What, what kind of idiot would not have married Callie? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Marriage is a big decision that many of us have made. Changes your life forever for the better. Yeah. All right. Uh, what other big decisions that you've made? Peace Corps missions. Yeah, uh, uh, which is uh, a decision that uh, people make when they're trying to figure out what to do with life, right? You get their priorities straight, Peace Corps, uh, and, and then, you know, or other, other sort of service mission. That can set you up. That can shape uh, the coming years quite a bit. Good one. I like it. Other, these are great. What else? You moved into community, says Anna, lives in K2, one of our community houses with, I don't know how many people are in that house, it varies, uh, but tons of people come through and, and zillions of stories have happened in and through that house. And so you get involved with something like that, then that decision leads to a lot, doesn't it? So very consequential decision, very consequential mission, ministry decision. I love it. Yeah, okay, a couple more. You guys are interesting people. Yeah, Lee. You left China and came to the U.S. If you've never sat down and had tea with Lee, sit down and just ask her, what was that like? One, she'll make you great tea. Uh, and, and then uh, two, it's just, she went through it all. She went through it all. Cultural revolution forward, uh, what that did to her family, what she's come out of. Super, super consequential uh, decision and, and a glorious one. All right, one more. Who's got the best? You've been saving. What was it, June? All right, June. Big decision, June. I left my uh, pursuing a career in uh, more college, uh, higher education and then decided to go to India be a missionary. Yeah. June left his career, uh, left a lot uh, behind in, in, in the Philippines, uh, where he's from, and decided to become a missionary with YWAM, of all organizations. Why am I in the house? 
uh, and then planted churches in India, Nepal, uh, for a long, long time, 20 years or something, you were there, and, and loads of super consequential decisions. Left a lot, made a lot. Made a lot happen. All right, you got a very, very interesting crowd. Um, and, I, and, and I think they go together, right? I mean, what makes a person interesting? Well, decisions. <laughs> you know, you want an interesting life, and it's such, interesting is such an interesting word because it can mean so many things, right? Riveting, uh, purposeful. Then, of course, you have to master uh, this art of, of decision-making. My, uh, my early life was a little bit chaotic, a little bit uh, turbulent, um, and I used to make decisions in life just as a way to kind of stay in the game, you know? Uh, some of the decisions were great, some of them uh, not so great. One of the decisions I made when I was a little kid, I, I did not grow up in a, in a church going home or anything, but I had some Christian babysitters. I decided that I would find my way to church, uh, no matter where my family uh, was. I used to uh, hitch rides and, and stuff like that. Just breaking it down, that was just one thing that I decided to do. Um, I had really bad asthma as a child. And I remember making the decision, I'm just going to run. I'm going to keep running. So every day I would run and sometimes cough up more blood, literally. But it, you know, you make a decision like that. And it, you know, eventually makes you stronger. And then God sort of healed the asthma and that was happy. But against the chaos, right, I made what's, what decisions I could. And then you kind of held on to them. And, I, and I'm really thankful uh, for those little victories uh, that I had uh, in life because I think they pushed me forward and made things interesting. Turn to somebody next to you and say, interesting. <laughs> as, uh, as humanity has always believed, uh, and as I think uh, science increasingly uh, suggests, there is a God, and he is good. Snaps. Uh, and as you, as you probably know, um, uh, the world uh, without God is a fairly twisted place. It's fairly chaotic, uh, fairly sick. And I think in some way we've all been reconvicted of this over the past three or four years. Things have gotten weird uh, in any number of ways. No matter where you sit and what your opinions are, um, the screwiness factor has gone up. Um, the world is, is a troubled place. And if you think the troubled world hasn't influenced you, broken you down, poisoned you a little bit, then you're probably wrong. <laughs> you know, it probably really has twisted you up, uh, not just in the past few years, but just because of life on this earth. But God has a path for you out of that. He has a path that's just filled with strength and health and love and purpose, interest, and eternity. Now, no one does anything perfectly, right? None of us are perfect, but, but you have to embrace, you know, make the decision at least for the path that God has for you, which is going to mean choosing against other things in the world, because if you make a decision for one thing, you set aside other things. It goes with the definition. Though you may well be twisted up by the world, though you may well be a little bit 
toxic in different ways, broken down in different ways, though uh, you may have any number of things in your life that you regret, this God that I'm talking about is freely helpful, very freely gracious, very freely forgiving. He's just a ridiculously generous being. Um, But you do have to make up your mind uh, whether you want what he brings or not. Uh, There needs to be a decision point that just makes sense. Now, happily, God has presented us with a decision point that is in its nature ridiculously easy. Ridiculously easy to accept uh, if you just think about it. And that decision point is a, a, a version of himself that's super accessible, you know, human-sized, and really, really easy to like. And the decision point I'm talking about is, of course, Jesus, right? When Jesus says, no man comes to the Father except through me, what he's saying is like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a decision point. And he is really easy to like because nobody in the world dislikes Jesus. You may not buy the whole Jesus story, right? You may not buy the whole Jesus message, but as a figure, everybody likes Jesus. Nobody says, that Jesus, what a Nazi, right? Just to choose one of the words that everybody loves to use today, right? Nobody ever says that about Jesus. Nobody ever says, Jesus, man, his teaching sucked. Nobody ever says that about Jesus. He's like, yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I'm not saying he's all that, but, you know, a a, a really good guy, which just tells you something because he was also a very influential, challenging guy whom the world killed, right? So consequential, right? Provocative and yet really, really easy to like, which itself is a paradox that should make you think. What the heck? What the heck? What fought against? Such a universally loved guy. Um, Jesus' presentation of God uh, had to do with him being killed, right? And he hung on a cross under false accusations, naked, bleeding, utterly humiliated, and said, Um, you know, I do this freely and generously and forgivingly. One of the last things he said was, oh, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, which was overly generous because they knew what they were doing, right? Just forgive them. As if Jesus were saying, God would rather die than let your screw-ups be a big issue between, between God and you. So an incredibly generous statement an incredibly generous, easy decision point, because who wouldn't accept that kind of guy? Who wouldn't like that kind of message? But a lot of people complain uh, uh, about it anyway. A lot of people say, well, a decision point of any sort is unnecessarily mean, right? That Jesus, what a meanie. They don't really think it through, but that's effectively uh, what they say. So is it mean to have a decision point? in a world of chaos when God offers us so much, well, that's up to you, right? And that's kind of the decision that we all make. But if you go for it, if you go for it, then you get to walk even now in this life as Jesus walked in this life 
uh, which is to say that you get to walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. God shares some of his very nature, his very essence, his very presence with you, um, and that makes life interesting. Interesting. Uh, the, the kids were sharing up here today. It's like, well, we just had some encounters with the Holy Spirit, and they said weird things like gift of tongues or just uncontrollable laughter and stuff like that, which is not the major stuff, but it's interesting. I guess Sophie was speaking in Chinese, like some people could understand. She doesn't speak Chinese, but she sp- Indian, it's like people could understand what she was saying, even though she didn't speak the languages. All right, so like, I mean, I don't know exactly what that constructs, but it's interesting, right, for a teenager to go through that. And then her response was, I want to go bless people. I want to go bless strangers I don't even know. And in a microcosm, that's not a bad Jesus experience, right? We get, we get a little godly weirdness, right? Sometimes it's weird little supernatural manifestations. Sometimes it's healing people. Sometimes it's just offering other people introduction to a decision point. So there you go. That's, uh, uh, that's the gospel message I just shared with you. You come to church, sometimes you hear the gospel message. I never know if I give it properly. I never know if I like, express the gospel message and the invitation to decision uh, properly. I don't know if I make the call uh, in a way that, that's, that's really good. Um, but um, I try to do it. And if we all try to do it, um, then one of us will get it right. You know, uh, strength in numbers. All right. I may not be the most eloquent person in the world, but that's why we're doing this sermon series on calling. Uh, and part of it is like putting the call out to the world in this generation, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> Right? I don't exactly always know how to do it right. Part of the sermon series on calling is making sure that you hear your calling. Right? Because God is always calling us. And there is a decision point to get into the path of God's calling. And then there's going to be, of course, all sorts of subsequent decisions that we're going to have to get. And you're going to need uh, to focus on Jesus. And you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit now and then to pull off what God has for you to do. Which is why we do things like the, like the all-church retreat. Uh, and you should probably sign up and, and come to that. Or you're going to kick yourself. Um, I don't know if I uh, do the call uh, justice, but I like to read stories in the Bible about the call and about how people made it. So I thought I would just share briefly this morning. This will be our scripture for the morning from Acts chapter 2. Um, and uh, what this is, is the very first sermon in church history. Uh, we have a record of it in Acts chapter 2. Um, and what's happened here is that Jesus has left the earth. He's left his uh, apostles behind to kind of uh, build the church uh, without him. Hoku. Is that like a doggy amen? amen. <laughs> Hoku is like 18, 19 years old. So she might be having visions of heaven right now. Uh, sh- she is... She is... Uh, She's been a fantastic pilgrim. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Jesus has uh, left the earth, left his apostles' instructions for kind of building the church throughout the world and say, well, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a few days, hold on. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them in this famous prayer meeting they were having on a day that we now call Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And... uh, and, uh, 
the church, which at that time probably numbered about 120 people, you know, it's about this size, um, spilled out into the streets and started doing weird things like speaking in Chinese and Indian, right? They were speaking in tongues. That was a famous manifestation that they saw in the second chapter. And other things were going on. People were kind of prophesying, experiencing power. And in the middle of it, they, a big crowd gathers in the streets, and Peter, the former fisherman, stands up, and he gives his first public uh, sermon. And he starts talking about, well, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Old Testament prophets prophesied, and this has to do with us following Jesus. You know Jesus. He's the guy that you just killed in this city. They were in Jerusalem. And then, you know, I, I, I pick up the, uh, the sermon at the end uh, in the synopsis. We're just going to read a few verses beginning at verse uh, 36 that I think is going to be up on the big board, or you can follow along if you want to. Uh, therefore, Peter is saying to the crowd, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Christ being Messiah, anointed one. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's just such a great phrase, cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What's the action item? What's the decision point? Peter replied, well, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized, two loaded words. Repent, in the Greek word metanoia, literally just means up, change your mind. That's what it means. Make up your mind. You know, refresh your thinking. And then baptized, uh, uh, literally just means doused. It's sort of this ritual dunking. So, like, change your thinking and then do something to celebrate it, you know, to ritualize it. Get yourself cleansed. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the decision point. For the forgiveness of your sins, uh, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's us. We're the ones who are far off. With many words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So his first sermon, he gets like 3,000 converts, which is like totally beginner's luck. And <laughs> just way out of proportion because it wasn't even that good. Like, it's not, but... But a lot of people were like, yeah, you know, we're in. We want to make this decision. We want to follow through. We want to ritualize it. We want some of that Holy Spirit that we're seeing on you guys and Sophie Chong. And, and you know, it looks interesting. It looks uh, purposeful. Uh, what I love about this sermon is that um, Peter wasn't shy at all, right? Um, he's stumbling out into the streets. They're looking a little ridiculous. Um, and, and people think that they're drunk, actually. And he stands up and said, well, let me tell you, you just killed an innocent man. Um, and you had your chance at receiving the promise of God. Jesus was a really good decision point, you know, really easy to accept. Peter describes something about him. He came, he was really nice, he did a lot of miracles, he fulfilled all the prophecy, and then you all murdered him. Like, why did you think he was mean? He was like the nicest, most godly guy ever. 
What was so mean about it that you had to kill him? That was kind of what Peter said. So he wasn't shy about that at all. Um, and then he says, actually, you know, it's a corrupt generation, <laughs> right? The world is all messed up. And I'm here to tell you how messed up uh, it is. You need restoration. He said, save yourselves, which is the only time that it's ever put reflexively like that. It's not like, get saved by God. It's like, save yourselves. It's like, make a move, people. And that word saved, the Greek word sozo, as many of us in church know, sozo, um, which literally means something like restoration. Get restored. Restore yourself. Come on. Restore yourself uh, from all of the corruption, all of the craziness. I mean, like, you have to see it for what it is, and you have to decide against it. Um, that's the message. God has presented you with this version of himself. Jesus is a really helpful decision point, so here's what you do. Get baptized in his name. Decide that you're all about him going forward, and things are going to go a lot better for you guys. Think anew. Commit. Make up your mind. That's what repentance means. And if you see it truly, you'll be cut to the heart. And I love that phrase, cut to the heart, because, you know, it means there's a cutting, right? What is a cutting? Well, it separates, right? It's like grabbing one thing and letting go of the other <laughs> in your heart. And they were cut to the heart, and so it drove them to decision. And then he says, you know, you'll do this stuff, and it's not just going to be a decision, but you're going to receive something supernatural. It's going to be a consequential decision, not just for eternity, but right now. Right now, your life is going to be different. It used to be natural and deathly, and it's going to become supernatural and lively. Watch. And that's basically, uh, that's basically his sermon. Uh, he wasn't shy about it. He just put it out there, and there was some power in it that day. You know, I was thinking about the way he indicted them for killing Christ. Because not all of them nailed him to the cross, right? But they just kind of let it happen. Like the city went along with it. And, you know, we read that story almost every Easter season. And in some ways, they were complicit even in so far as they were kind of passive, Right? They didn't defend. So the question whenever one of these great Bible preachers preaches about the death of, of Christ and it is not just that we killed Jesus. It's how it went down. Right? How is it that Jesus gets killed in our corrupt generation? Well, he gets killed because, I don't know, we just kind of let it go. We just kind of let it happen. You know, like, it's just an interesting meditation. Um, how God gets killed is worth thinking about. In our generation, how God gets killed in your life, that's worth thinking about, you know. Um, anyway, very provocative, right? Very uncomfortable, <laughs> these ideas and these sermons. Where I want to leave it today uh, is, is this. Is this is an example of giving a call or if this is an example of being called by God, then I think maybe the first thing we can say about calling is this. The first thing we need to understand about God's call to life and purpose is that it is a call to decision. It's a call to decision. You can't really follow the path without deciding on it, making up your mind, and going for it. 
And to facilitate that and to help it, God has given us the easiest decision point ever in world history. Jesus, whom nobody dislikes. But somehow a lot of people think is mean. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Get over it. Because there's only two choices. You kill God or you follow God. <laughs> Apparently. So the first step uh, to being a caller or to being called is you got to be comfortable with decision. You actually actually be a good decision maker. Some of us have made big decisions. A lot of us know what it means to make a decision in life. Well, this is one, maybe the big one, seen as how it influences everything else. No, no decision will ever be more consequential. Um, I've said this uh, from time to time over the past year. Uh, as I personally have meditated on the word decision. But you know what decision means, literally? Incision. What's an incision? It means to cut into something. What's a decision? A decision means to cut away from something, to cut something off. Now, we use the word, you know, to mean ma making a choice, but the definition of the world tells us that in order to make a choice for something, you have to make a choice against something. Right? That's, that's the nature of decision. When Andrew decided to get married and married Callie, he chose against the hordes of women that were chasing him <laughs> and picked the best one. The best one. I feel like I'm doing really good with this. Uh, um, you know, when you decide to... Uh, become a church planning missionary in northern India and southern Nepal, you decide against everything that your home life promised you, your family, your culture, and you step out of that. Evidently, that's what June does, right? That's just a powerful cutting away, right? You turn from one thing in order to accept something else. I mean, that's another common definition of repentance, uh, to update uh, your mind in a big way, but an update means, you know, letting go of some stuff. So decision means cutting away, and in order to have one thing fully, right, you might have to empty your hands so that you can grab it all. I think sometimes, like philosophically in our culture, uh, we think that in order to have fullness of life, we have to hold on to everything, right? We have to hedge our bets. You know, but of course, to have fullness of life, we need to hold the one thing, <laughs> you know, to free up our arms so that we can get it around uh, this bigness that, that God provides. When I think about it, I think of life as a torrent. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Life is just like a torrent, like a, like a torrential river, right? And we're just kind of flying down the river, uh, but we want to go upstream, <laughs> you know? And that's life, right? If you're not trying to go forward, you're probably going backwards. Right? If you're not trying to get fit, you're probably getting fat. <laughs> right? If you're not trying to learn new things, the pace of change in the world is such that you'll be dumb next week. Right? The world will have passed you by. Right? It's like, what is this? An app? I need to download it? Yeah, we've all learned how to do that. That didn't even exist 10 years ago. Uh, now we couldn't live without it. Anyway, I digress. Life is a torrent. And when you're caught in a torrent, security isn't grabbing everything that you can. 
security when you're caught in the, court, in the torrent is getting a hold of one thing. Right? Uh, that's, that's what it means. And, uh, of course, in this life, the handle is Jesus. Right? I mean, God just went out of his way to give us a really good, simple, easy, lovely handle. So, I don't know. Is that so simple to be cruel and mean? There you go. So, here's my piecemeal call out today. I'm making a call out today. Here it is. You can't have everything. Nor would you want to. You can't have everything. Nor would you want to. Right? What you want to have is strength and health and purpose, interest, and eternity. That's what you want. Make up your mind. Make a decision. Some of you have to let something go so that you can hold on to something firmly. Right? God makes it really easy. Really easy. Jesus. Nicest guy ever. A miracle worker. Super smart. Incredibly generous. Ridiculously forgiving. Extraordinarily helpful. There you go. That's the call. Uh, So, I don't know, if, let's say, you felt some cutting in your heart. He's like, yeah, well, I mean, I like that offer. What should we do? Well, I mean, repent and, and be baptized. You know, just make a decision in your head. Figure out some way to express it uh, externally. We'll be doing a baptism service at the All Church Retreat, by the way. We do it all the time. One of the most fun times of the year. We always like that. But shoots, so I'll go baptize you at the beach today if you want to. Um, just walk down the hill um, and get some prayer uh, for receiving the Holy Spirit. Like somebody to pray for you because you're going to need a little supernatural help because the world consent continues to be corrupt, right? And you want to be weird enough to withstand the corruption. I'll just leave it there today. Father God, I pray for your spirit of conviction in the world, uh, something I know about and so many of us have experienced. Um, I pray for uh, victory in our hearts, um, decision in our hearts, in Christ's name. We want to save ourselves from uh, corruption and from waste and confusion, stress, death. We want to save ourselves from death, the kind that is permanent and the kind that just dogs us daily. Uh, we choose Jesus, Lord. None of us are perfect, but in the name of Jesus, we ask you for help, Lord. We pray that you would make us yours, and we commit to make ourselves yours. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen.